0: Hello, and welcome to Mustangs in the Field, a podcast designed to help current Milwaukee students see a path towards a potential career. Through conversations of personal identity, resilience, and acknowledging the ever changing world of careers with past Milwaukee graduates, we hope to inspire our students to see school as an important step in helping them achieve their future goals. I am your host, Roberta Aguilar, a proud school counselor at Milwaukee High School and the Milwaukee Academy of Arts in wonderful milwaukee oregon and i look forward to sharing more about our wonderful guests and their stories before we begin our upcoming conversation i'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor the mustang born alumni scholarship foundation who work tirelessly year after year to provide annual scholarships to several deserving mustang graduates to assist or donate to the mustang born alumni scholarship and help our milwaukee graduates you can check out their website at www.mustangbornfund.com or email them at mustangbornfund at gmail.com. Also, please enjoy the background and transitional music uh, provided to us by Mustang Graduate from the class of 2003 and a recent guest known as EP, lowercase e, double capital P. Um, I appreciate him giving me permission to use this music And so therefore, please go out and check it out And download it and share it with your friends widely Again, lowercase e, double capital P And let's help out a fellow Mustang graduate do his thing Alright, thank you so much for being here once again Please enjoy the
1: upcoming guest. at life like where the time going.
0: Hello, welcome to Mustangs in the Field. Today's guest is Ben Vermillion, class of two thousand and seven. Hey Ben, how you doing?
1: Hey, not bad. How are you? Thank you for having me on.
0: No, thank you. As you know, this podcast is kind of to help young mustangs find see themselves in someone like you and find a path towards a future potential career and so i wanted to ask you you know who you are how you identify yourself now and how you would have identified yourself as a high schooler back in the day
1: yeah yeah so as you mentioned my name is ben Vermillion, um class of 2007 um i use he him his pronouns um you know, a, a lot of my life has been spent in academia or academics. And so there's certainly a large part of me that identifies sort of with that structure, right? So like the um, the scholarship, the service, education type mindset. Um, so I, I think a lot of my lens and my identity, the identity comes from that, you know, I'm, I'm only four years out of school. And so a strong part of me identifies with that. You know, I think some of the classical tropes of uh introverted or extroverted i think i i I, i've always sort of self-identified as an introvert but i've always been fairly outgoing and so i I usually show up and i participate um and engage but you know i think there's something about me that still covets that 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 private time Um, and and i'd say that has shifted over the years to kind of a balance of of what's there Um, Overall, you know, I, I am very fortunate to wear many hats, both personally and professionally. And so I, I often describe myself as a generalist, um, for, for lack of a better better term, but kind of a lot of different interests and a lot of different pursuits, um, whether I'm, I'm, I'm good at them or not. Um, but that's kind of kind of my, uh, you know, my MO in, in a lot of ways is just to get out there and, and try it. Um, as, a, as a high schooler you know, I'd say a lot of that still kind of holds true. Um, you know, I, I think I I would be much more sure about my identity in high school than I am today. Um, and I think that has shifted. Um, and, um, you know, I think I very much identified with athletics, um, for, for quite a while. Um, but I, I also was involved in a lot of different other things. You know, I, I was in, was in band, um, all four years and they were quite competitive. You know, we went to state every year. I, um, I also did, you know, like tech cadre. So like, the, the, um, you know, you're, you're building websites and, 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 hosting, you know, community, um, um, websites and doing things for, for them. Um, and so, and then, you know, a mix of, you know, the variety of classes, AP honors, regular classes, things like that. And so I kind of had my fingers everywhere in school. And so, so I think I was involved in a lot of different social circles. Um, you know, whether I really belong to anyone in particular, I don't know, or, or I at least never identified with one in particular. And I think that's part of, you know, that, that introverted piece of, you know, I I probably closely associated with maybe one or two people. um, And then the rest was kind of my time, but I kind of was everywhere in the high school um, to some degree. And so, um, and that, that very much rings true today, I think professionally um, as well. Um, But yeah,
0: yeah, that's great. I love a lot of focus on the introvert side. I love, actually, this is National Introvert Week, and so it's important oh, to me. Right. Yeah, 13, uh, March 15th through this week, um, it's a, an area that I care about a lot. And, you know, I like, I'm similar to you in that regard that I'm super introverted, but I'm also expected to be super social and visual or, uh, you know, be seen. And so, you know, getting involved. I love it. I don't, I don't, you know, it's not a, a bother thing to me, bothering thing to me, bothersome thing to me, but I, d- I do love it. Um, but I definitely need my, my own time. And so I like that you shared a lot about that.
1: Yeah. Right. And I think it's a, a tough thing to, re- to reconcile sometimes, right? Like, you know, you maybe feel like you identify one way, but you're kind of, you know, maybe living out another piece of it to some degree too, um, with, with whatever it, it may be. And, um, and so, yeah, yeah no, I, I agree, yeah. It's, yeah. it's okay to hold multiple things at once, right? Um, and I think that's great.
0: Yes, totally. And you can be those two things at a high level at, at the same time. So that's that's also something to share. Like, you know, you're not just boxed into a certain way. Right. Yep. Um. So that's great. Um, right now, I know that you are a pharmacist. I believe we talked about that, right? Yes. Um, so I'm curious, like, how did you become... And you're only four years out of school, which blows my mind. I thought it was a few more years out of school. So could you tell us how you got there, um, what school or schools you went to, and yeah. and who helped you kind of, you know, influential figure, who helped you feel that this was possibly the right path for you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, for better and worse, I took a pretty direct path. You know, so after high school, I went to the University of Oregon for, for five years. Um, I uh, did academics. I spent my last couple years doing some research there as well um, and working in one of the labs. Um, after that, I went to Oregon State University, Oregon Health and Science University uh, for my uh, Doctor of Pharmacy program. And so that's a um, both institutions contribute to the one degree um, kind of providing different aspects. You know, the first couple years. Down at Oregon State um, doing more of the academic work in the last couple of years, up at OHSU doing more of the clinical-based work. Um, after that, I actually spent a year um, at Providence St. Vincent doing what's called a residency. It kind of mirrors what, what um, medicine does in kind of the uh, medical doctor track, where they they'll typically do like three years of post-doctoral training. I did a year that was very dedicated to clinical work. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about this too, as we dive into maybe what healthcare is and the different opportunities. But, um, I, I too focused on a very clinical path, but there's a lot of different, different ways out there. Um, through that, you know, I think there was a couple pivotal moments for me. Um, you know, that research opportunity was was really important to, to me, you know, I think my first couple of years at Oregon, I kind of just floated around taking classes I, I was interested in and enjoyed, um which I think was great, um, but I got an invitation from one of my professors to work in their lab and do research. And I think that kind of let me know that there's maybe a little more academically for me or, or even professionally for me. Um, in, in that experience, I also had a very um, interesting interaction with, with a grad student where um, there's a, you know, somewhat of a verbally abusive relationship and and, and someone who had been in a, uh, you know, fairly protected environment most of my life, you know, was something hard for me to reconcile with. And, um, especially when, when it was one of those things, it's like, well, I'm thinking about doing graduate school and these people are, are more or less gatekeepers, right? They're, they're the people who are, you know, critiquing my work, evaluating my work and, um, you know, people who I would hope to get letters of recommendation from to speak to my work. You know, and uh, so that was, you know, a a, a very pivotal, sit, you know, situation in my time going to school and a lot of self-reflection on trying to figure out, you know, what's the right pathway toward, um, you know, a career or success or or sort of anyone's endpoint. Um, you know, I, I I ended up out of that situation. Work started working in another lab. And, you know, as someone I I got my undergraduate degree in biochemistry, so just very interested in, you know, the most minute physiology and trying to use that to explain what's going on in the world. Right. And I worked in this lab where we actually did research with human subjects. And um, so we would collect muscle tissue from them they would go on for a procedure and then we would actually do some rehab on the back end. So I got to, I got to do the really granular work up front, but then I also got to work with people on the back end. And I knew from there I was like, how can I really marry these two? Um, And, 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 and pharmacy really fit that bill quite nicely. Um, And so that's kind of more or less how I ended up where I did.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I love, well, two different things. I can't believe you like, what did you say? You like harvested something from human, and then worked with the folks afterwards. And so, to me, I'm thinking like you're doing some cell oh. samples, <laughs> and you're like injecting it back into the people and helping them rebuild. I don't know what it's like, but it sounds oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and the second part, which actually I think is the biggest part, was this. You were talking about this verbally abusive person, and you know dealing with that. And I think a lot of folks have dealt with that as a youth. You know, in high school, you might feel that yeah. and knowing that, that you could still overcome that. And I think, you know, that's important to know is that we all ha- we're all we all going to have challenges. Maybe it's similar to this. Maybe it's different. And that there's a way to reverse that negative situation to a positive. So I think that's pretty great that you did that at that time.
1: Yeah, no, I, it's challenging. You know, I think one thing I, I've, I've thought a lot more about, you know, maybe actually somewhat recently is, and this goes back because I'd say, you know, as someone who was younger, kind of navigating a type of career, right? You know, not something I was necessarily interested in, but something I was using to, you know, as a a stepping stone in my career. Um, You know, communication is a big piece, right? And so, you know, I'm I'm probably not, you know, free of blame in a situation like that, or like, you know, there's pieces of it where that, you know, a communication piece, I think that probably contributed to it to some degree. But then on the receiving or the opposite end of that, you know, I don't think was necessarily the most appropriate way for it to have been handled. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot more about, you know, um, feedback and communication and and receiving feedback. And and as someone who actually gets to work a little bit as as an educator and and gets to do some policy work in my profession, um, how do you give feedback and how do you receive feedback back? And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, trying to separate you know, delivery from content, you know, you're going to get things from people um, that comes across that just kind of affronts you um, or that you disagree with um, and trying to be equitable about it and and really parse out, you know, is there something here that is, um, that I can learn from, you know, even if I disagree with how it was delivered. Um, And, you know, I think that, that, that experience was something, you know, I've, I've reflected on quite a bit um, to think about that. And, you know, Despite the negative process, you know what? What are pieces that I can still grow from with
0: it? Yeah, the growth. That's there's always opportunity for growth. I like that. Um, so, as a pharmacist, you talked about you're doing, you're still doing research. So, how did? What is a? You know, I guess I think a pharmacist is the person at Rite Aid. But what? What is a pharmacist like? Wh- where do you work, and how does that really look?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna take. <laughs> I'm going to take the uh, 30,000 foot view and then work down to that answer. Um, Healthcare is massive. Um, I would say just about any career you think of in the community, there's probably an equivalent in the healthcare field um, or something that translates reasonably well. Um, You know, I think we traditionally think about your, your patient care, front-facing staff, right? Your doctors, your nurses, your aides. Um, But it's a massive field. You know, I think, in the hospital where I'm at, you know, there's obviously pharmacists, there's physical therapists, occupational therapists, dietitians, social workers. Social workers are literally the lifeline of, of of patient care. But you have people who do the imaging and the technicians there. Engineering, you know, like there's still your basic requirements to make a building function. Um, you have supply chain, you have couriers and transport, um, and then within every section you have directors, managers, uh, and sort of the, um, that sort of backline staff that makes each department function. Um, and so it's huge and that's more of a hospital picture. There's also clinic type work as well. Um, And, um, you know, outside of that, there's like regulatory work. Um, you can work at the FDA or the CDC or things like that. Um, and there's a variety of degrees and careers that exist in those realms and it's all very healthcare oriented. Um, and so healthcare is huge. So it doesn't have to be, um, any one, you know, patient centered job, um, as a pharmacist there's a lot of different things you can do, right? So you mentioned you think of like Rite Aid or Walgreens or sort of, you go to pick up your prescription. And I think traditionally, you know, that is what pharmacy has been. Um, It has shifted a lot, you know, probably the last 20 years. Um, I'm a hospital pharmacist. And so, so what I do is very, very much the same as any pharmacist, which is you're really in charge of ensuring, you know, safe, adequate use of medications um, in managing that delivery system. Um, so from production to packaging to, um, you know, delivery to the patient, um, and then the outcomes there as well. Um, so that, that kind of holds true kind of no matter where you are as a pharmacist though, you know, and as a, a getting your degree in pharmacy that, um, you know, it's like an admissions ticket to, to just another variety of careers, you know, you know, I work in the hospital. I'm very, clinically oriented. You can do policy work. Um, you can do regulatory work, you can do economics work, you know, as a pharmacoeconomic economist. Um, you there's academia, um, you know, there's people who teach in much more traditional classroom roles, and there's people who teach in much much more experiential roles. Um and so, you know, kind of like, you know, this is why I love my job and why I think it fits me really well is kind of talking about being a generalist there are so many things you can do and there's so many things i can you know put my hands in and get involved with um, that's relevant to my degree and and i love that and so um so yeah so that's kind of pharmacy in general um my what i do daily i spend about 80 percent of my time staffing so i work in the emergency department the icu general medicine floor. Um, And then we also have like a central area where we house all the medications and manage the distribution of that. Um, I spend a part of my time as an educator. So I take on students for about six weeks at a time and do some experiential learning, on-site learning. uh, So student pharmacists. Um, I do some policy work. So there's a committee I serve on where I essentially, when new drugs come out, I review those drugs and I present them to the hospital committee that decides if they want to um, approve those drugs and put them on our formulary or so if the hospital can use them or not. And then I also do some, some, some ethics work where I sit on the the uh, research ethics board. It's called the IRB um, and re- we, The goal is to ensure patient safety and welfare when they participate in research at our institution. Um, And then on top of that, you can also participate in service. And so I also will chair, I chair a couple of organizations as well. So one's like a state liaison to the national organization and then one's within our, within our hospital as well. So wide open field, you can do so much. And even if it's not pharmacy, a lot of these things operate somewhat similarly. There are so many things you can do
0: yeah thanks for sharing that and i like going back to that thirty thousand foot view i think you said and a generalist that's pretty now that you mentioned i think that's more of why i love my job you know it's yeah. kind of i uh, i get to work with people i also yeah. get to help train future counselors you know future well youth who are going to be future whatever also you know it's there's a lot of areas and a and a like you said in this generalist ability to be in many many uh many pools at the same time and be able to contribute in a positive manner and the ethics too you you touch on the ethics i bet there's a lot of there's potentially a lot of ethical issues there with oh yeah (laughs)
1: Yeah. right well i think i mean i think i think you're right too um you know i think being an educator or a counselor right there's one you know many different student populations you can work with you know there's various to you know you know, institutions you can work at too, which maybe cater a little bit differently. Um, And then, you know, there's different types of educators, whether you're in the classroom or you're in more of an administrative role um, and so on and so forth. And so I think, I think that's always something I want to try and paint a picture of is there's so many different flavors of the same thing. And there's a lot you can do to personalize it. Um, And pharmacy was just kind of it for me, it kind of blended, you know, everything i was interested in really well um but i think you can find that anywhere and i think that's important to know
0: yeah yeah yep no the more i think reflect on you as a young man i think yeah i could see how this all works out (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe we'll talk about that in a minute yeah um so i want you to share possibly a moment where you know you weren't sure that this was the right thing or maybe you were always sure but what were some of those rocky moments and what is the strategy that you you know, that you utilize or developed to help you get through these rocky moments? Because again, we're, we're all going to have them at some point. So maybe we can learn from you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think um, I actually might go back to that interaction I had as, as, a, as a student researcher because um, I think that highlights it pretty well. I mean, it gave me a lot of pause. Um, you know, I there was... And this, so this is... I'll back up a little bit more too. So, you know, I think going into school and my career after high school i kind of had this mentality of being very self-sufficient you know i think as as a you know as a student in high school having a very specific interaction with my family right you know i think you know it was it was about you know gas money and you know the conversation just kind of went sour and didn't end well whatever you know typical frustration frustrating things that happen Um, but for, at that point, I just made the decision, you know, like I'm going to be self-sufficient. I don't want to ask my parents for anything if I don't have to, if they want to help me with things, great. Um, but I don't want to ask for anything and that has its ups and downs. You know, I think that, that had a lot of motivation for me to excel. Um, but it also put me on a very direct path and, um, very much encourage to kind of just exploring education if you ever get that opportunity you know whether that's college or or any sort of chance you get to go back and revisit it um and so coming into this situation where you know I got this great opportunity you know I'm kind of in the stage of my career where I'm looking to build relationships um with people who can speak to my work and, and be advocates for me as I apply for graduate programs and this was one of those things where I just I just hit a roadblock and i didn't know what to do because um i'm a student the graduate students directly employed by the the advisor, or the uh the principal investigator the professor who runs the lab and so when it comes to who who's gonna trust who who's going to um you know what what's what's the likelihood of this situation being any one way and I felt like I was at odds, you know, um, and I felt like I didn't really have a lot to stand on. And um, and so, yeah, it really made me question on like, well, being on such a direct path, I was like, can I even go? Like, I don't have more time to, or money to spend in undergrad um, to try and figure this stuff out. Um, and so what are my other options? Um, and so from that moment, I, there's, there's two routes I took. One was, I started reaching out to, to other research groups on my own to see, to see if I could help. And then two, the, the person who kind of recruited me into that lab, they were gone. And I reached out to them and I just said, Hey, like, here's, what's happening. Is this, what is your experience with this individual? Like, is this normal? Like, I'm not familiar with this work. Um, you know, kind of where am I at kind of like one, a self-check, like, am I experiencing something that's real? Like, or, or is this how it's supposed to be? Am I, am, am I underperforming Am I inadequate? Right. You know, I think someone who's been very fortunate to have a lot of success, reach a point where I'm being told that I'm vastly underperforming and not meeting expectations. Um, and so, so I think, you know, my approach was really to take a couple of different avenues. I didn't kind of put all my eggs in one basket. Um, you know, I tried to, tried to assess that situation and validate it and see if, you know, maybe I am actually underperforming or maybe I, what they're telling me is true. Kind of getting back to that point of parsing, you know, content from delivery of, of feedback. Um, and then also trying to look for other outlets to, to you know, to start moving my career forward in, in other ways too. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, it's was one of those things, it was a new experience for me that I didn't know how to navigate. I probably didn't navigate it the best, but I actually, you know, had the chance to sit down with the professor who ran the whole lab. And, you know, very fortunate that they were, they had a great ear and they were great at listening. They asked me a lot of thoughtful questions. And two, I think I realized, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in academia in general, they, they want to see you succeed. And, you know, I think he was very open to what I had to say, um, which I appreciate. And sometimes, you know, as an individual, making sure I'm not projecting assumptions onto somebody of how, who, you know, what they're going to, you know, knowing the conclusion to the conversation before it even happens. And so, so there's a lot for me to learn from that. You know, I think part of it was just to open discussions and have those conversations.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing. So, yeah, I think I hear... You know what is my personal responsibility, and what am I? What do I have the power to do? Right. Yeah. I think I heard that. I think I heard. Um, you know, reaching out to that network, even though that person was no longer involved with the university. You know, I think it's important that whoever you meet along the path is a potential um, ally, if nothing, and if not yeah. a better word, an ally to help you navigate some of these times. And so it's important for youth well, everybody, all of us to know, and that's something I've learned later on is like every person you meet is a potential ally in, you know, in your path. So. Right. Keep, right. Keep Especially as,
1: as someone who's somewhat removed from maybe any given situation, you know, I think they can be a great, you know, independent, you know, uh, gut check on something, right. You know, they, they don't have any skin in the game one way or the other.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Like I said, so much to learn there. And I'm glad that we can learn from you from that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to bring us towards Milwaukee now. Um, Yeah. I wanted to know, you know, was there, there's many things you learn in school and I'm not looking for a specific lesson, but I'm wondering if there is a lesson or something that you learned along the way while you're at Milwaukee that helps you prepare for the kind of work that you do right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I think, I think, your conversation with Rolo actually hinted at this a little bit. Um, Just speaking about diversity at Milwaukee, um, you know, and it comes in many flavors. Right. Um, And I think one thing I tend to remember is, you know, the general, the general idea is you need to meet people where they are. I, you know there may be the right way to do something or the best way to do something but it's not always the most feasible way to do something you know i think i think about a, a situation you know being in in band um an individual you know very capable um talented person um but just not performing well right and and learning that they weren't performing well not because they couldn't but you know i think from an infrastructure standpoint they didn't have the resources to do so. Um, and you know, whether it was, they didn't have a place to practice or the time at home to do so, or, or things like that. Um, and, and I think when I think about my profession, that's, that's very much at the heart of it. You know, there's always, you know, the right way or the correct way to do something, or this is how it was done in the clinical trial and it needs to be done this way. But then there's reality, right? Like, you know, the drug just costs too much. The patient can't afford it. Um, so you got to meet them where they're at. So what's the, 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 the best thing you can do in that situation? You know, and I think this is a recurring lesson too. We've seen, you know, when you think about a lot of harm reduction strategies, right? Um, you know, abstinence only is, is, isn't the right approach. Like you're talking about drug use or IV drug users, but providing alternative means to reduce the harm of doing so whether that's naloxone or safe injection sites or needle exchanges or things like that, you know, how do you reduce the harm? How do you meet somebody where they are without completely, um, changing the infrastructure where it's at. And so providing resources. And so that's very much medicine in a lot of ways, you know, and that's why I was saying like social workers are like the lifeblood of of healthcare because they do so much of this legwork. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think Milwaukee offers a great amount of diversity, um, whether it's, you know, your nationality or socioeconomic or, um, just a, it's, you know, you, you, I think we're, we're in a, in a, in a, great community, um, where, um, you're, you're kind of right between, you know, a downtown population and, you know, a, um, suburban population, and then you don't have to go far to, to, um, meet a completely different population of, of of people, right. If you just go a little further East, um, you know, whether it's to Estacada or Sandy or, um, even over the mountain pass. Um, so I think, I think, um, you know, Milwaukee is fantastic for that point. So,
0: yeah, it's definitely something I love about Milwaukee, just that it's, there's all sorts of unique, uh, you know, individuals in our building, and on all, on all levels. And, um, and I like that you talked about meeting people where, they are, where they're at at that moment and trying to do the best for them in that situation. So that's, that's great. I love that you do that in medicine because that is needed. There are a lot of people in that, those situations. All right. Um, so I'm wondering, so what's one piece of advice you would have given yourself, your younger self? Oh,
1: um, there are many definitions of success. There's many different paths towards success. Um, you don't always have to take the most direct, um, whether you feel that pressure or not, you know. And and along with that, you know, even though things may seem not go your way, um, it's always an experience to learn from. Um, and so I think I think the general theme there is possibly patience, you know, and, and be willing to explore what life throws at you.
0: Yeah. I love it. Patience exploring. Yep. I wish I agree. I wish that we could all do that more without the societal pressure of, you know, success looks like this. You need to do this right now in this way or else you're not going to be successful, which isn't true.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I'm only a few years out and you know, I I review applicants every year for, for, you know, our, our, some of our training programs and it blows me away. Like I had the things that they're doing now, even just a few years after I'm out of school, I was like, I don't even know how you do that. That's amazing. And, you know, and so I think, you know, for for a variety of reasons, you know, I think people do amazing things and they do a ton of things, but I would also advocate, you know, there's so much benefit to being able to take your time and explore and not feel pressured to um, collect a bunch of credentials or letters too. You know, I think having the chance to, think and and, and explore your education
0: yeah all right so what's next on your professional or personal horizon
1: yeah um professionally i am so like i mentioned i i'm involved doing some policy at work and so it's a committee called the pharmacy and therapeutics committee and so we approve drugs for the hospital so i i am working on a work group that prioritizes and organizes that process and I'm trying to make it a more formal process. So each drug that comes through is reviewed in an equitable fashion. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons drugs come come up and want to be looked at, whether it's new and fancy or whether it's cost savings. Um, but making sure we're, we're holistic in that, in that review process. And so I am, my job is to kind of, build out that framework on what that process looks like. And so that's, that's one of the projects I'm working on right now.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's actually kind of cool. Cause it creates a legacy. This is, this is the Ben Vermillion way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so who knows? It might just change in five years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's enduring forever. All right. So we're going to transition to all Milwaukee stuff really kind of. And so yeah. I call this section, the rodeo it's um, five quick response, if, if you can come up quickly if not if you need more time to process it's all good because it's you know we just want to hear yeah so are you ready yes all right giddy up get that cowboy hat ready okay what was your favorite spot while you were in high school
1: oh favorite spot
0: um it could be outside of the high school too
1: yeah um oh my gosh i think i i think i'm gonna go with the band room actually i spent quite a bit of time there and um I always felt comfortable there. It, it, it was great. I felt There's no pressure ever. And so, um, a very welcoming environment for me.
0: That's great. Let me think trombone
1: trombone. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Oh my All God. Right.
0: Okay. Um, what is your personal motto?
1: Oh, so hard to pick one for the longest time it was, uh, press on. And I, it was kind of after this Calvin Coolidge quote, which, talks about you know you know there's nothing more common than unsuccessful men with talent there's you know genius is practically uh, unrewarded genius almost a proverb or something like that you know the the persistence and persistence alone is you know one of the most effective tools out there and so I that, that really rung with me because it, it kind of it's a level playing field at that point. And, you know, I think it really attributes as long as you're working hard and, and things kind of fall in your favor to some degree, um, then, uh, yeah, there's nothing that's going to replace hard work. So,
0: yeah. And if you press on, things are more likely to fall in your favor than if you stop.
1: So yeah, right. Right.
0: Yeah. All right. What are, what is something that you're grateful for?
1: Oh, grateful for, you know, I think, having a a front seat view in, in, in some, some regard this last year, um, with, with COVID and everything, I'm very grateful for, for my health and my family's health. Um, you know, I think what a tough year for a lot of people and definitely caused, caused a lot of problems for a lot of people. I'm very fortunate that was able to get through most of it, you know, unscathed. And so very, very fortunate for, for good health. So,
0: yeah. And so. In that note, like you know thank you for all that you were doing in the hospital because a lot of medications are needed people were you know was your hospital like full capacity and couldn't take any more folks and yeah it was interesting
1: i I mean we actually cut a lot of well meridian park we do a lot of elective procedures and those got cut and so it kind of turned into a ghost town for a little bit um but you could feel the ebbs and flows of when it picked up and you know i think this this uh definitely palpable anxiety um that's around. Like you you just don't know what's gonna happen, right? Because there's so there's especially the early days, there's just so much uncertainty around it. So um yeah, so it, an interesting yeah thing to live through. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we're still still going through it. So I gotta assume, but I'm gonna ask, you already have your vaccination.
1: I do. I uh, yeah. I was I was I was very fortunate to be eligible for early as a frontline worker. Um, something interesting, you know. I think and a conversation to be had another day, but you know, I, something that probably spans a lot of different domains is, you know, being being eligible something or being given something, yet not really feeling like you deserve it. So kind of kind of like a, you know an imposter syndrome to some degree. Um, you know, I I am a pharmacist. I see patients. I interacted with a handful of COVID patients. I'm not the highest volume. I can work for home from home sometimes. You know, I I uh, you know the hospital. We actually have a ton of safe ways to interact with patients and, and to and to mitigate exposure. And so it was one of those things, like if I had that, if I could, I would have given it up to like my parents, you know, no, no doubt, because I just, they're just higher risk. And, um, and so it it definitely one of those things, interesting things to wrestle with personally is getting something, but not feeling like you deserve it, so to speak. Um, and so something I I still kind of struggle with, but, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's okay. I, I've, I've accepted the fact that I'm going to struggle with it and, and continue to. And I think, you know, another motto is really just embracing uncertainty and, and, and that's okay. And so yeah. it's something I've become more comfortable with.
0: Right. I can relate to that. I know that it would be nice for some of our elderly folk to have it, but I also know that we're going to be in contact with a thousand students soon yep. on a daily basis. So yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back to the rodeo. Yeah. So this is one, I don't know if you got one really for this. I know that I don't. And that's why I'm asking. Cause I need ideas. What is your favorite form of self-care?
1: Oh, self-care. Um, you know, I think I, I've always run. That's, that's been my go-to, um, ever since college. Um, just cause it's time to myself, no headphones, no anything, just me and my thoughts for better and worse. Um, but, you know, the last uh, five years, I've been reading a ton more. And so any chance I get, I just read. And I love it. Um, and I wish I would have done it all growing up and through school a lot more. Um, I really regret that. Um, but it's something I really covet and do now.
0: Yeah. Well, it's hard. You were in school. You know, it's hard to read when you have to read all these other things. Yeah. Yeah. And um, running. Yes, I remember... So Ben was, to me, a superstar soccer player. And you I loved watching you run on the field and closing down attackers because you were one of my key defenders and (laughs) making sure, trying your best to help us stay in the game. So, (laughs) uh, you know, I love watching you run.
1: I appreciate Um, it. Yeah.
0: All right, last one. Yes. Super tough. Okay. Onward victorious or Mustang-born?
1: onward victorious played it all the time all the time in band
0: woo yes all the time me too me too
1: it's not winning it's not winning i mean when you got a pet band tune that's hard to beat so
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's um that's really the interview you know i really appreciate you being here and i love you know you have a lot of great insight And I love reminiscing about, you know, like, I I can't believe trombone. I can remember it now and being in the (laughs) pep band and all that good stuff. So thank you so much for being here and being my guest and helping us learn about pharmacy and the healthcare system.
1: Absolutely. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, if any, if anybody has questions about a field in healthcare or pharmacy, it doesn't have to be pharmacy. Um, feel free to send them my way. I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, for people looking, looking at healthcare, or even if they're unsure, you know, it's maybe not what you what, what, what you have in mind and ruling that out's a good thing too, but always, always happy to answer questions.
0: Great. Thank you so much. I will, if, if I hear anybody that wants to go more of that path and learn from you, I will get them in touch.
1: Yeah. Sounds great.
0: All right. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thanks. Have a good one.
0: All right. Bye-bye. Muchísimas gracias por escuchar this episode of Mustangs in the Field featuring pharmacist Ben Vermilion, class of 2007. I really love how thorough and um, open Ben was about the wide variety of career fields available at the hospital setting and his love of pharmacy. I hope you'll join me next time when I interview dr rosenberg also known as the great becca adams um, as she shares her journey through um, you know finding community in small school settings and working to become a doctor which is a career that i know so many students are interested in learning about and last, again, I hope you enjoyed the music provided to us by our former guest, um, hip-hop artist Ep, lowercase e, double capital P. Please enjoy this music, download it appropriately, and share widely um, so that we can help a fellow Mustang do his thing. Again, thank you so much. As always, be healthy and well out there, and go Mustangs!
1: Long distance, never dissing, hit the home run. Play the fool, play up everybody, and we y'all on the same mission. I ain't leaving till it's all gone. Ooh, was never in it for the short run. Long distance, never dissing, hit the home run. Single two since I'm back to get it cause I lost one. Same mission, I ain't leaving till it's all gone. Back bruised in both knees, i'm faking no need. Hit the last shot, father two and now Tell me how shall I proceed? Damn, no green, cut the rug loose, let me work it out